And welcome back, moviegoers. This is Movie Talks, where we discuss the latest trends, movies, and things going on in news. Uh, today, we're going to be discussing Christopher Nolan movies and go a little bit about, like, you know, because we're getting ready for Oppenheimer. That should be a great movie for us. We're, I, I don't know about you, but I'm, I can't wait for it. And then we're going to be discussing, like, what's going on with the, this, this year's blockbusters. It's been very odd. You know, there's a lot of flops, a lot of changes in, in this uh, industry, and, you know, What's what do we think is going to happen? What's coming up next? As always, this is Daniel. This is Ernest. This is Fernando. And let's start first. Um, so yeah, let's first talk about the things that are happening. So, Ant Man was a flop. Generally, I mean, I know it made kind of its money. Uh, I just found out that uh, Indiana Jones is another one that no one's watching. And then Elemental, which is I, I, I for honestly, this this is the only Disney movie that I was just like, I don't, I'm not interested at all. What is that? That's the one you know at the uh, the cartoon when the fire and the water are like kind of falling in love. Yeah, mm. you know, and and the thing about Pixar is they're, they're so good at their stories. What the fuck is happening to them? You know, I haven't seen that movie, so I wouldn't be able to tell you. I wouldn't be. Yeah, but I was. Were you ever ex- like Toy Story? We always want to see the next Toy Story. You know, right. th- even in their sequels, we are we, we are willing to go to it, but that one I was just like, eh. Well, here's yeah. the thing, you know, you can't compare Toy Story to Elementals because one, Toy Story is a classic, right? It's but it's a total classic, and Elemental is really just brand new, right? But even with brand new, you would figure that there was should be, like word of mouth, you'll find out that maybe the second week should be better. But no, no one has gone to that thing, gone what is, to it. What is you, the synopsis on this Elemental? Do you uh, think like it might be that people are just not going to movie theaters anymore? Okay, so yeah, yeah, I think I think that we are now in a stage of our weird time of life in which we are very picky on what we're watching. You know, there's there's Netflix, there's Amazon, there's Paramount, there's Disney Plus. There's so many avenues to watch movies that because going to movie theaters are so expensive now, we can. I'm willing to wait for some of these movies. You know, especially if I'm not really interested in it, I'll just say, you know what, wait for streaming. I can wait for months. You know, it's not like how when we watch movies like how oh, I always get Oppenheimer. I want to see that in the big screen. You know, yeah, that requires an IMAX feeling, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, I okay. I told I told 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 you, Ernest. I love the Flash. Now it flopped, but I think that's more because of Ezra Miller's, you know, crap that he did. Right, I think a lot of people like myself with that, uh, you know, with the when it comes to the Flash, it's like, at least for me, when I know that proper love and time hasn't been put into something like the CGI, I don't even want to watch. I mean, I'm sure it's a good movie, has a good story and whatnot, but um, not only do Ezra Miller's uh, antics have something to do with me not watching it, but when I know that the proper time and love hasn't been put into this film, I it just turns it kind of off for me. But but that's the thing. It had it had took five years for this movie to come out, took a whole bunch of different writers, took different directions, and they still they yeah. still hasn't you know I think people won. It's one of those I would say in in some senses like in a video game, if it's been like ten years or whatever, and people are waiting for it and it just comes out late or whatever, people tend to lose interest into it because they're like okay well fuck it why am I even like it's you guys had long enough now my interest has gone to other things. Um, Black Adam was another one, and Sajam. Those were two. Mo- I've, I've, I haven't seen those movies, but those are flops. I think the DCEU is, you know, it's crumbled already this far. So, well, even can, you can say with uh, Ant Man, the MCU is also crumbling slowly. Yeah, I mean, every. I mean, let's look at the movies that did do good this year: John Wick and Across the Spider Verse. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, those are the two... Like, Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, and Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy. And Guardians really is well, one movie that I think that has so much love. I mean, look, we even have Mr. Rocket over here. Mm-hmm. That when, the, when we see that last final movie from James Gunn with the Guardians, it was, it was, and it was done actually so well people wanted to go see it and they will see i think i saw it twice and ironically enough the direct you know james gunn the director of, of guardians has our <clears throat> i'm not sure about how concrete it is but from what fans are saying moviegoers are saying that he has part in the dceu films uh, and particularly the flash flopping because he already announced his reboot of 
the DC Cinematic Universe. And so people are less excited, and, you know, they're willing to wait for what he's going to p- contribute to that. Uh, uh, are you? I mean, are you, you know, interested? I'm, I'm not. I don't, you know, I'm not big on the DC, but if I am going to watch it, I feel much better knowing that James, it's, it's in the hands of James Gunn's, as aside from who it's been, you know, aside from Zack Snyder, I appreciate his work. But everyone else, they've made mediocre films, in my opinion. What about you? Well, I agree with everything that Ernest just said. I think that after the death of Iron Man, the uh, Marvel Universe, is just it just went downhill. Uh, no one's actually really excited to watch any any Marvel movies. And the movies that do come out, they've been flops because I feel like they're not putting in 100% anymore knowing that the public, they lost the public pretty much. But you lost your two favorites, your two big stars, your Chris Evans and Rob, Robert Downey. But I think it would be more towards Iron Man because he was leading the entire universe by himself. If you really think about it, a movie without him wasn't really like a fun movie. Like even Captain America, the Winter Soldier, that movie would have not been good if Captain uh, if uh, Iron Man was not in it. I, I personally think it would have been a little boring. Was, was Iron Civil Man? War? No, you mean Civil War. Was it Civil War? Right, right. Iron Man, uh, yeah, Winter Civil Soldier. War. Yeah. yeah, Civil War. I'm sorry, Civil War. I personally don't think it would have been great if Iron uh, if Iron Man wasn't there. The same thing with Spider Man. Even if Iron Man showed up for a little bit, he kept driving the entire story, the entire story of the Marvel universe towards where for where it is now but after the death of iron man like all the movies lost substance yeah for the most part well yeah, also i mean think about it this mc it was like 20 20 years uh 10 years. The, 10 years 10, 10 years, years to build up this, to build up this thanos fight and i don't know about you but besides hulk getting his ass whooped it was just the way i wanted i mean even before when tony when uh Tony Stark died, and I knew it. I'm like, I came into the movie. I'm already prepared for it. I had my tissues, and I was like, "Fuck, how are they gonna do this shit?" Like, at least let him go out like a, at least go let him go out as a dog, you know? And when they and when that happened, I'm like, "Fuck, all right, you know, I'm good." You I'm know, good. a lot of people complain about that that Hulk and uh, getting beat down, but in some adaptations of the comics, Hulk is actually serving as Thanos' dog. He Thanos is in his uh, his uh, what is this? I don't want to call it just a chair, but he's, you know, his throne, sorry. And he has Hulk right there on a chain on all fours, just uh, chilling with him. Really? Would you rather have him? Yeah. Would you rather have had that? Fuck no. Not, <laughs> not knowing that Hulk just... Like, you're my bitch, Hulk. Yeah, well, no. keep in mind that Hulk, he was just an animal at that point. In, in the first Avengers, Hulk was just an animal. Right. Pure he rage. didn't know how to fight. He was rabid. Like, there was nothing that they could do with Hulk at that point. He was just like a rabid dog. But well, it, was, it, wa- it wasn't only, yes, I agree, but after the first Endgame, after the first Avengers, well, the third Avengers, uh, which it was, fuck, I forgot what it was called. The first... Uh, Age of Ultron? No, no, no. Uh, the first part of... Uh, oh, Infinity Thanos. War. Infinity War. He was really just a rabid dog, but after that, he realized he could ju- jump to his full potential. Mm-hmm. Or at least semi full potential. Oh, because right. He has the capability to destroy worlds. Yeah. If you think about it. But he just didn't care. He was just like a rabid dog, just doing whatever the hell he wanted before before even getting disciplined. Because in Endgame, that's where he started having discipline with himself. Well, yeah. And that's where it all went downhill for Hulk. And that, well, I missed the rabid one. See, and that's <laughs> and that's all it too. I mean, t- imagine if they made a one where the next oh, the next Thor movie make him and Hulk go back together, best friend. Best friends forever. Well, f- uh, to go off a little track real quick, uh, rumors are that Hulk is supposed to have a fight sequence with Deadpool and uh, Wolverine in uh, Deadpool 3. Yeah. And there's also <laughs> yeah. there's also st- uh, little rumors that he's going to be uh, Hulk versus Red Hulk at some point. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, who, well, so which is Harrison Ford. So yeah, maybe that'll be his little redemption since uh, Indiana Jones flopped. Oh, Ugh. God, I know. I mean, nobody wants... I okay, I let's, wants let's talk about the Indiana Jones. I haven't, you? Even, I haven't seen any of the Indiana Jones films. I have, but I lost track after like he got old. Oh, so after uh, Crystal years Skull? Ago? The Crystal Skull was still okay, but Is all the shit the that they made. Yeah. Yeah, but after that, you know, being even older than that, it just. 
Let go. Like, Let go. Yeah, for real. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's the thing. It's like, even at, Con- I think it was at Cons, the, fin- fe- the film festival, where they gave him a standing ovation. Yeah. But it's like, dude, why? I think if it's they like, would, if it was going to be a send off, like, you know, they was going to bring, like, as, I thought, that's what I thought Shia LaBeouf's uh, character, because he was, he's, he was their son. It was time for him to pass the mantle to someone else because, yeah, 85 year old uh, Harrison Ford, we don't need him to be, you know, jumping and doing all that stuff with Indiana Jones, especially when what the fuck is the Dial of Destiny, anyways? And that's one thing I would say that was the, pro- was the problem with Indiana Jones is that when you have the first one, the Lost Ark, then you have, then you have, um, you know, the Last Crusade with the Holy Grail, those are actual real artifacts that people are looking at. The Dial of Destiny is just a made-up shit. The Crystal Skull was a made-up shit, and even, but even in the Temple of Doom, it was so dark and you know with them pulling the harm out and the, it had some roots of where you can say okay well, this has some historic uh, relevance to it. Mm-hmm. These the, the other ones were just like made-up shit that they don't know just where for to funsies. Yeah, because I mean think about it. There's so many artifacts that that's one thing I love about like Tomb Raider. National treasure, treasure. National, yeah, it's all like you can actually go back into real history thing. I and mean, if people like, actual like you know the old artifact stuff that you know it's in the past, it's cool to think out what they could see back there. Well, not only that, but the fact that the director. I mean, you would, you would hope that they all do this, but some people just speak without thinking. You know this, so I mean, it's just I like to see directors doing their research or already having known it, to yeah. a- accurately depict this on film. You know. Without plot holes and whatnot. Well, there's always going to be plot holes. Well, when I say plot holes, I actually mean inaccuracies. Well, Historically. Yeah. Well, that's just, I hope that, okay, so what, what we talked about, uh, Mission Impossible comes out this week. I don't see how that movie, that movie is not going to be a flop. It's not, it's not, but at what point is it going to be? Because just like how we, uh, you know, we're talking about Harrison Ford and his old age, Tom Cruise is, is pretty up there now, and he's he's still doing wild shit like a- uh, You want to know something? That, his movies are good. Yeah, and he—I he, just seen this thing where he—he's uh, they're explaining or it's behind the scenes of how he did that scene with the uh, what is the it called bike? squirrel fly. Yeah, when he like uh, parachutes down the cliff. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's I didn't know that that was actually him. That's, yeah, dude. Yeah. Fuck, he does all his stunts. I everything. mean, ninety-five percent of his stunts he makes them. Like he—he he actually climbed the bird. He, he never like okay. So when I see stuff like this, I'm like. You know, everyone knows about Tom Cruise now because of that that very reason. But I don't ever remember growing up being like, man, Tom Cruise is the shit for doing his own stunts. So did, he just started this recently within the past decade, right? I mean, I think he's, he's always been doing them. Well, always. I guess he he hasn't been in films that have required him to do them. Well, all his Mission Impossible way, movies are right, like that. Right, which also started kind yeah, of. Yeah, no, here's the thing. Like, it was just not, I guess it was not mentioned as much as he'd want to. Mm. But he's always done his own stunts. Yeah. And it's just getting more wild the older he gets. And then he's yeah. like, what the fuck? And he's so particular of how, like, he's one movie star. He's, like people say, he's the last movie star. Like, you put, he did Top Gun Maverick, which come out, like, what, 20, 30 years later from the first one? And it's so much better. I mean, it's yeah. so good. He knows how to make movies. Tom Cruise, he's, you, a lot of people may, may not like him. But he knows how to make a good action movie now. I mean, he's definitely dedicated uh, dedicated to his craft, you know. I mean, oh, for sure. Look what he did in Tropic Thunder. And he's oh, only there for dude. he's only there for like ten oh minutes. God, I forgot about yeah, that. He's, he's, he's like gross lesman, bad Jew. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with his big ass hands. That has like. He's well, did you know that that's actually supposed to be uh, Harvey Weinstein? Like, that's what he did. Uh, that's where he got his idea of uh, of that character. No way. Yeah. Oh, dude, going back to that movie, Robert Downey Jr., he played a black dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I had seen something with the Tom Cruise thing saying he was only going to play that character if he had full freedom with it. And so, you know, we got Gross Lessman, who he was. You know, Gross I'm actually going to put that movie in my in, in my to-watch to list tonight. That's a, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's gold. That's a perfect movie. That's a 10-10 movie. <laughs> really? I, I don't... Last time I watched it was like 15 years ago, man. Oh, man, you're in for a treat then. Again. No. Nah. <laughs> now, uh, to get a little bit serious, the one movie that I will also found out to be a perfect movie, and I know you guys haven't seen it, it's The Sound of Freedom. Now, I do you guys? Oh, by Mel Gibson? No, Mel Gibson did. He didn't. It's uh, Alejandro. Yeah, uh, I thought he made it. He was promoting. No, it. he is promoting. He is making another one about it. But uh, yeah, Alejandro this. Alejandro Iñárritu? Huh? Was it Alejandro Iñárritu? I think so. Let me double check on that. But this movie. Now, Gene, we, we, I, sh- I should give a little synopsis, huh? 
it's basically off of this guy, F- former FBI agent called uh, Tim Ballard, who in this in this particular movie, he is a child uh, trafficker. Um, child trafficker. He goes after child traffickers, and in one of his uh, one of his cases, he finds his little boy named Miguel and he rescues him. And then from there, the his the little boy is like, "Hey, can you save save my sister?" Now the crazy thing about this movie is it is so raw. Like you you know we talk about like you know how directors show how things you know just show it how realism it is. Mm-hmm. This movie it it gets to you because. It start. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna tell the whole thing, but it starts off of showing how these people kidnap kids, and you see, like, and these kids are like seven, ten years old, and I mean, they go into this room, and then next thing you know, they're just in a van, and then they're, now they're trafficking around, and it's just so unreal to see, because one, it's not like you know we we talk about you know all these blockbuster movies and that we know that at the end of the day, this is something that's not going to happen. You know, Thanos is not going to come down and well, take over. Part. For the most part. We don't know. Okay, There might be a Thanos. Sound around. of Freedom, this movie just came out, right? It just came out. Is it Mel Gibson? It's not. No, no, he's not. It's uh, with, uh, oh, I'm sorry. It has uh, Jim Caviezel. Jim, Jim Caviezel. Jim Caviezel. Caviezel. And uh, Mir- Mir- Mira Serrano, if you don't remember her, she was the old actress. She came, she was in, um, uh, Summer of Sam. She did um, Remy and Michelle's um, high school reunion. He's a Mexican director, actually. Yep. Alejandro Gomez Monteverde. And yep. the weird thing about this movie, you know, I've been wanting to see it um, just to, you know, I mean, I don't know if it's spreading awareness by me seeing it, but at least for myself, you know. The weird thing about it is that it's controversial, controversial, and it's not being promoted the way that it probably should be. Right. I mean, not to be get political or anything, but that's how you know that, Something just ain't right, you know, when when people aren't shining a light on something like this, but rather opposing it. I seen a dude on CNN who was opposing this, saying that statistically it's wrong, you know, based off what they're saying. And it's just like, what are you, t- what are you talking about? You well, know, the thing is, this is, ac- no, the guy who actually did it, Tim Ballard, he's a real person. And he right. actually did these, mi- like, they're not like, okay, yeah, it wasn't, his his whole investigation wasn't just based on one kid. It was based on a whole bunch of things that happened during his you know, during his uh, time at the FBI. Mm-hmm. So, but the thing is, yeah, these these happen and these happen to these kids. And yes, it's yes, they're not even shining any light on top of this movie. And I think one of it is because th- the studio who made it, Angel Studios, which is a, uh, you know, it's a Christian, it's a very Christian religion studio that's uh, that comes out and it's brand new. So why promote them? You know, it's not a Warner Brothers movie. And two, yeah, the subject because, I mean. We we there's a lot of stories, like we we heard from Harvey Weinstein or a bunch, of just Hollywood maybe have a big pot of this child a cesspool of child trafficking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty well. I mean, I mean even the Passion of the Christ with same person uh, Jim Caviezel was very controversial. Well, that was more because like the Jewish community was like saying it's so wrong and like, hey man, that's you know. He, I seen an interview with him uh, stating that after that movie had came out two people who had committed murder within that week had turned themselves in you know having watched it yeah and Fuck. Yeah. that's deep yeah i mean am wait I, you know it was weird. sound of uh, freedom or um passion of the christ oh and i can i mean i'm not gonna say oh i can attest to that i murdered somebody i'm saying as as far as feeling bad because at that point when I, I was like 13 14 when i watched that film and at that point you know i'm a hateful little kid i got all this stuff going on but i seen that film and i remember it changed me like man you know that was powerful i didn't even believe in all that stuff but just the note, you know. Oh yeah. Well, Mel Gibson did a film. great job with he, that movie. Well, did. the great th- the thing that he also made it in Hebrew, I think, right? He yes. didn't. He, it, yeah. Mm-hmm. And how it was just, you know, the seven nine tails, the whipping, everything. It's just like, it was a horror show. I, I even to this day, I think only watched it. Well, like you said, you know, twice they show the just how it is the realism of it and i yeah. guess for some people even though it's depicted through film it's shocking same with the sound of oh yeah and a well, lot of people did not even want to promote that movie like there wasn't a studio that actually wanted to pick it up which in uh passion passion of the christ uh, mel gibson had to put up all his money up front for the movie mm-hmm. like he was he had to be his own investor for me because no one would lend him money to and create I, that i don't he definitely made it back and more yeah. let me ask you this do you think after he made that movie because right after he made that movie remember his whole tirade and crazy stuff that he happened with mm-hmm. it was as if you can say like shit like 
someone probably was gunning for him too. I mean, you know, I don't want to go to conspiracy theory, right. but it's kind of awkward when, when Hollywood wants to get you out, they'll find a way, which is oh, such yeah. a weird and that's thing. That's what's kind of concerning about Jim Cavazil. You see him on all these platforms right now speaking about this, and he's fighting against the system, you know, blaming them, telling, or not blaming them, but, you know, pretty much putting the puzzles into place, yeah. showing you who's doing who, uh, you know, and how they're trying, like well, you just spoke, they're trying. The thing to about that, they were saying how, like, this, this, you know, the real people, they were saying, yeah, there's, uh, there's, if you think there's only one Epstein Island, no, there's a lot. Like, this is an actual big, huge problem that I have, and no one wants to talk about because who also is involved? I mean, yeah, no, of course. And, and there's a lot of, uh, like, for example, I hear that Mel Gibson is also going to do a new movie, and this is why I, I confused it with The Sound of Freedom because Mel Gibson is doing an, a movie on child trafficking as well, I believe. He's mm. child trafficking and, and the Epstein Island uh, stories. Yep. And they're saying that they're going to try to so much they're going to try to censor him com as much as possible because he's going to bring it to light a lot of like the nasty shit that Hollywood does. Yeah. I mean, we've, and like we said, we heard, well, we all know that, like we all heard about the stories, but we never had the real ball. Like I, I'm sure no one has the boss to like, you know, say what, who did it because they're so how much powerful people in Hollywood. Well, here's the thing. No one's coming forward because everyone is in it. That's a, yeah. <laughs> not only that, but people who do come forward end up somehow committing suicide at these most random moments. And, yeah. You know, well, you know, Epst yeah, they, you know, by not committing suicide. Right. Because, you know, Epstein, you know, he did hang himself in the prison by himself when there was no. He did not around. commit suicide. It's going so far as people who are shedding light on things like this are now uh, prior to anything, you know, God willing, happening, like not happening to them. They I seen a tweet from the, the other day from some chick who was talking about child trafficking who's high up. I forget her name, but she's well known. And she was saying, if anything happens to me, just know that it all links to the Clintons, this, that and the other. Mm -hmm. And that I'm not suicidal in any way. Oh, people have to actually say that shit. That's and I don't that's know if you guys have heard of uh, adrenochrome. Have you guys heard of that? No. So adrenochrome is what the actors use. That's what Tom Cruise uses. Salma Bullock. They use adrenochrome for um, to make themselves look young, and they've talked about it. Adrenochrome comes from a gland of the brain, but only oh from, yeah. from the brain of children. And they the only reason you secrete this substance is because they get to a point of panic so bad that they actually start secreting adrenochrome, and that's where all the child trafficking leads to because this this substance only comes from children that are to the point of panic in their yeah. lives so imagine how bad you have to is to scare a kid to be able to get that substance from them see and that's where we're gonna say that like remember the movie monster inc exactly with, the, was with the screams exactly scream. that was such so, a weird and they if you really think about it that's exactly what's happening with the children now because even uh sandra bullock gave a interview we're saying it's like the, uh was it ellen degeneres she asked her, I was like, how do you stay young all the time? And she actually said it. It's in an interview. It's like, so it's like this cosmetic thing that you put on. It, like, it gets puffy for a week. And then after a week, you look so much younger. And they told her, it's like, where does it come from? It's like, well, it, it comes from a... Uh, and she started stuttering. Yeah. And it's just like from, from Asia. And uh, you get all this like adrenochrome from Asia and like children and all this. Like that actually was said because... There's so much child trafficking just for that reason to be able to get adrenochrome because it's the closest thing to uh, rejuvenation, which is so weird. Yeah, and it's like the fountain of youth. It is. Oh, it is the fountain of youth, and it's found only in children who are panicking. Does do we not secrete that same? Adults, they don't. Yeah, you know why? Because we have too much drugs, and you know, and we're not clean. Yeah, we, by this time we were like you know just jaded th from the world. No, and and not only that, uh, even our blood is tainted. Nah, yeah. By the kidding. time we're older, it, there's been so much shit in our body that it's it's pointless to use anything. Uh, that's why a lot of there's actually a lot of uh, they're kidnapping children because they want their blood. They do transfusion from children. Well, not only that, but the organ harvesting. You know, oh, that was another thing I heard too. Yeah, that's a, that's a real thing. Uh, what is? What's that oh, but like? that's been around for a while, man. No, no, but what? Oh, go ahead. No, you say it. But are they they're doing it with these children as well? Okay, so what they were saying is that okay, so again, this is from like several interviews. It's not really I'm not certified, but the theory is that when these kids are again like so let's say they kidnapped them at five, 
and then by the time they're 15 they're already used up so now what they're fucking gonna do with them because now now it's like okay well they're too old for these pedophiles so now they just har- uh, organ uh, harvest them. Yeah. And actually, and it's like the most craziest thing. Yeah. And there's like conspiracies as well that they chop these children. They chop them into pieces and they throw them into the, into the uh, uh, tri- uh, Bermuda Triangle. Because apparently there's like some sort of trench there that everything gets eaten. That's you know, crazy. they could just get a pig. That's a screw. <laughs> Jesus. Not to get dark, but I mean, is that... You know, is that yes, yeah. but it, it actually ties up to like reptilians and all of that. Because they're saying that there's a portal in the Bermuda Triangle where it leads to the reptilians. I don't know if you guys have heard of that, of the yeah. reptilians. I've yeah. heard of the reptilians. So apparently all these children that disappear, they harvest whatever they can from them, and then they throw the remains into the... Well, there's a lot of uh, cultures that has, like, child sac- sacrificing. So oh, yeah, probably of course. And even in Mexico, it was one of them. One of the, uh, uh, one of the gods uh, was Quetzalcoatl, which was a serpent uh, god. Was it? Now that you said that, I want to ask you this. This movie is based on in Colombia, like just like, it's Colombia. It's like it's all the Southern American countries, and to be honest, a lot of these children in real life they are gonna be missing in third world countries because one, who's watching these kids? Well, two, they're in like poverty towns, so then mm-hmm. they might have so much that you know parents can't even keep uh, keep hold of them. Mm-hmm. Like crime so, cities as well, yeah. So I'm wondering if that's like even with their culture and you know we're talking about like you know Spanish or Colombian or, or even Argentina with their gods and everything like that they're going back and doing all this rituals to be young. I don't know. It, I'll say this before we uh, go on too much. This movie, one thing about g- good about this is that it doesn't show, you know, the 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 violence and, the, and there's no kids actual action getting you know molested or nothing. But it does show to a point where you know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And that's the part that when I'm watching it, I'm like, And sometimes fuck. that's even worse, you know, leaving it up to your imagination, especially with how effective a scene is. Oh, it beforehand. was. I tell you this, I, I bawled after end because I'm like, fuck, like. Well, you are a big softie. Well, this is the thing about this. <laughs> they saved 50 kids, but how many more else are they that they didn't save? Millions. Oh, dude, there's hundreds of thousands going I mean, missing and every this day. Is one person who's doing it. Yeah. So, you know, this movie, I would say this, you know, support this movie if you when you hear this. This is a great film. If you have to, you, you can go to their website on angel.com and you can get a free showing. But this is something that I, you know, it, it's 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 beating off Dial of Destiny. It's beating off all this without any support. So this is a great movie to watch. It's very, it's going to be hard, you know, if you keep Bring but, your tissues. Well, Yeah. But, you know, if, if you're sensitive to things that happen with kids, which most people are, uh, you know, just be prepared for that. But yeah, it doesn't show anything, but it does give the effect that you will, you do know because you're not stupid, you know. Right. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen it, but I already know it's going to bring awareness to the, you know, to the situation as a whole. There's a lot of shit, man. There's yeah. a lot of things about kids trafficking. And, you know, even... I think there was like a speech uh, by Donald Trump who said that, you know, there's there's people in the uh, in the government who are behind that, you know, and he points at the Clintons and uh, there's a lot of child trafficking and he was like trying to expose it. I'm sure there's a lot of them down the hall that just like look tur- either turn the other eye from some money or is part of it because where's the Epstein list? <laughs> Yeah. Right. No. Well, yeah, we won't go too much because we won't go into politics now. <laughs> yeah, your broadcast so. has been shut down. <laughs> I know, right? Google, you All are awesome. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna shut down the studio right <laughs> so, now. So uh, let's go to the main thing about this. Now, this is a director. We're gonna, we're gonna talk about Christopher Nolan, which I think is this age greatest story. T- one of the greatest storytellers. I think he's like the best psychological thriller director. That's how I would put it. Yes. Yes, because he he doesn't really go off to like different uh, categories. He's kind of stays within his lane. Not really, man. I mean, have you seen Interstellar and then Oppenheimer? No, no, but I mean, like the tone and thrill. Like you would never see him make a. Co- if he ever made a comedy, <laughs> I would be very kind of worried about. I, that. I would go so far as to say even a little philosophical in his filmmaking and some of the concepts that he you know intertwines with the stories. And he does uh, it. He does it so well, doesn't he? Beautifully. Especially with Interstellar, that's the that's the one that comes to. Oh mind. my God, I remember when I went to watch Interstellar for the first time, dude. I walked out in the movie theaters, like I was out of this world. I seriously, I was in shock for like two hours after the movie. I felt like I was floating. 
Yeah, man. It's, it's it was impressive. I don't want to say it's his best. It's definitely one of the best. It's his most impressive movies. Now, one thing I would say with his movie, it does make you think a long time after you go after you leave the theater about his movie. You know that that's a great effect, or that's a great effect from to have from a movie to a movie too, especially when it's w- very well done. You know, some movies you have to go back, and they're not like M Night Shyamalan's. I mean, not to poop on M Night, he's one of my favorite directors, but his films aren't great. But I gotta go s- watch it for a second time just because I missed a few things. But with uh, Nolan, it's like I could pick it apart for days based off just how in detail he goes with these things. You know, you want to know something? This is gonna sound weird and out of topic. But I think Christopher Nolan is like Eminem with rap. Because if you listen to Eminem's lyrics, you have to like re-listen to be able to understand everything. And that's how Christopher Nolan is. You have to like re-watch the movie to pick up new things. That's a crazy comparison because I was listening to Eminem yesterday and being, you know, I haven't listened to him in years. I listened to Beautiful Pain. I'm like, damn, his lyrics are really hitting right now. Yeah, they're deep, From a different perspective, you know? If you listen to his new album, oh my God, dude. Like you would listen to a song and you would be like, wow, I got to play this back. I got to, I didn't even know he had an album. Oh yeah, man. But no, yeah, that's a good comparison. Yeah, exactly. Because I've watched Tenet maybe eight times now and you still find new stuff i still find new stuff and it's just yeah is it as entertaining though after after Dude, i love times here's the thing it may not be entertaining but it definitely if you're if you like picking apart scenes and be able to understand everything tenet is definitely a movie to be able to pick apart but i think that's the thing i think if i can understand or at least for me if i think that i can understand something that's going on within the director's mind what they meant with certain uh themes mm-hmm. makes me more interested and that's the, that's the beautiful thing about christopher nolan christopher nolan really goes into the depth of uh psychology in every single character of his movies agreed yeah well let's go from the beginning he was he actually didn't go to school for film mm-hmm. isn't that crazy he went for literature well and that's why he's an ex- excellent storyteller well that was the thing him and his brother i think his him and his brother wrote up uh, memento Mm-hmm. But his very first one was the following, and that uh, have you guys seen that? I haven't seen that. It's basically you're following, you're it's like a black and white film, and you're following this one character around. You, you know he's going on with the day, and then all of a sudden you find out that he's he's this guy is following another couple, but the other couple knows that he's following them, and then now is trying to convince him to do a crime. Hmm. Right, but then you don't know it. All you see is just. His him observing these people around because he's you know he's following these people. You so know you telling you telling us that Christopher Nolan has a literature background makes a lot of sense because literature majors are excellent storytellers and they're they need in, in order to be a good storyteller you need to understand how the psychology of human of humans work their actions their story everything which is why you bring up the movie you, like everything you're telling us right now it really has to do with the human mind with the development and, and storytelling of the human mind mm-hmm. and I, I, and again he does him and his brother i think him and his brother does such good good cohesive work together almost as good as the coen, coen brothers i like the coen brothers a little bit more because theirs one is so wanky you cannot really see what's coming out the next movie yeah you know, and yeah, there's no I, chronological story. No, nothing chronological about their stories. I mean, if you even watch, watching um, No Country for Old Man, I'm watching. I'm like, okay, this movie sucks. And then you watch it again, like, oh my god, okay. And then you watch it a third time, like, oh, this is amazing, amazing story. <laughs> How the hell? Like, it's, ca- it's a lot of different character breakdowns, you know. At least yeah. for me, especially with Anton. Anton. And with the small bits and pieces, I mean, they do. S- the, I, I don't want to go with the Coen Brothers too much, but they do subtle. Uh, shots and, and, and storytelling they don't give you the whole thing what's going on you have to figure that shit out on your own mm-hmm. and it's Christopher Nolan he gives you everything but there's so much information to get to behold you're like what the fuck did I just watch and psycholo- yeah. psychologically it's a, it's a lot to you know take on too because if you don't understand at least the fundamentals of psychology you won't you will a lot will go over your head with his films that I find um, like I just seen a clip earlier uh, what is it well of inception when the what, what is the the dude who plays uh the emperor the emperor in um last samurai oh okay watanabe okay so his character okay. in the movie yeah there's a scene where he touches the rug they're in a dream he's trying to understand what's going on but he touches the rug and um realizes that it's not polyester or something it's a yeah. different material like how he has at home right but they don't tell you that 
it's just the the fact of how we use our mind when like when we're in a dream state you know if we were able to feel stuff like that like if you were in your room or if we're in a dream state right now and this was not wood you know something like that might matter i'll give you another example another example is that humans don't really know or haven't experienced things or not just things but um different emotions and different feelings where christopher nolan goes into depth into trying to explain how a character morphs or how the character evolves throughout the story emotionally mm-hmm. but most of us a big majority of i guess regular human beings or you know our day-to-day average joes we don't really experience a lot of emotions which is why uh watching a Christopher Nolan movie it makes so much sense or sometimes either it makes sense or sometimes it doesn't because we don't even know how to feel to some of the things that Christopher Nolan is feeding us. We're oblivious to those emotions and to those feelings that we don't understand what's happening mm-hmm. because we don't know like, oh, holy shit, like, okay, that just happened, but like, okay. What does it mean? Why? Like, what does it mean? Like, okay, I got to keep watching the story, but for someone who has lived through those emotions, they, they can relate instantly. And like, that's the yeah, that's the psychology part about behind it. If you haven't experienced exactly, it. exactly, and that's that's why I'm touching on this subject just to elaborate on what you were saying. Mm-hmm. And Christopher Nolan does such a good job on, at at really portraying the emotions, at really portraying uh, the psychological aspects of the human mind. And that's what people complained about. You know, touching on that topic. And touching on tenant, a lot of people complained that there wasn't an emotional. Um, well, they're really you right. weren't engaged, dude. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Tenant is so emotional. No, bro. okay. The problem with tenant for me is, okay, who was the who was the uh, lead? He was his name was protagonist, right? Then, An yeah. antagonist. So you you have this these embodiments of people, and with no background or nothing, you just have their adventure. So. Well, you know the background. They've been working for this organization. Well, yeah, but it's very. But you don't know, like you know, what does he like to eat? Like, well, here's the thing about why Tenet, does he feel that way? Tenet, I feel it was more impressive than anything else. It doesn't mean that the movie wasn't impressive or psychologically. I guess you could call it like a psychological mindfuck, because that's what the movie was. But I feel like there's other movies that he's done better job at explaining something psychological. Like for example, Memento. Memento is like a psychological thriller, top to bottom. Yeah, there's no. That's, a, that's an entire emotional fuck, right? And there. the weird thing about that is, when it's because it's told backwards, you're actually revealing the story more of who these people are, because they're slowly getting like it's like an onion is slowly unraveling, and you can see the different layers of each person, and why they're acting that way. And you know, you see like the end of the scene, and you're like, okay, yeah, you start why? at the end, yeah. And it's such a weird. And I remember when I first watched. And this is back in like what early two thousand when that came out. What Tenant? No, uh, Memento. Oh, oh, dude, that was like fifteen or twenty years ago. Ninety five, I want to say. Right, but again, that was the first time. And, and me, for who watched tons of film, when I saw it, it's like, what is this? Like, I've mm-hmm. never seen it like this. Yeah. Right. So, but one of my favorite ones that not a lot of people talk about is Prestige. I haven't even seen that movie. Prestige is such a well, well, well-made film, and it has like you know just Tesla in there, and he, you know talks about like because the whole thing about that is how much do you value life that you would able to kill yourself for an applause every single day, knowing you're gonna have to die for an applause because oh I don't, should we even ah eh, this movie is made long movie, enough. Yeah. Well, that's the Elvis. The whole Presley thing effect, about man. this is that Hugh Jackman he wanted to make this big show as a magician, and he ha- he learned how to teleport through Tesla's you know invention, but what they don't tell you is that basically the invention is to make another copy, but in order to make another copy he has to kill himself. So at the end, they find out that he goes into his tank and drowns himself every single night, mm-hmm. just to make another trick that no one knows. And Christian Bale's character in there. Oh my God, I do remember that movie. I have seen that movie. And then you find out about Christian Bale, he has a twin brother, mm-hmm. that that's how they did their trick. And you and because the, the whole time you're wondering, what what is the answer to these tricks? How are these two people, you know, makes this magnificent thing and everyone loves them. But the one thing I remember is in the very first scene is when they're talking about this old man who's like, I don't know, he has a trick where he has a trick, I forgot what it was, but he has to always be in a cane and or something. And then I think Hugh Jackman or no Christian Bale says Look, this guy, the reason why he's acting that way is because he has this bow under his leg, but for the applause, he's going to live that image 
forever just to keep the applause. And, it, you know, paraphrasing, but it's not that much. But, I mean, that was like, oh, damn, like, that's that's deep without even knowing. Mm-hmm. I had to go back and rewatch that one, you know. I don't remember it all too much. Yeah, no, that's an old movie. Yeah. Like, I have, I, listening to you, is like, it did give me, like, a little, like, flashback to, like, the magic tricks. But it's not a movie that it was like that. I was wowed by. Yeah, the only thing I remember that was noteworthy for me was the uh, the revealing of Christian Bar- uh, Bale's having a brother, having a twin brother. Twin brother, yeah. Because I'm like, you know, how the fuck's he doing this? But yeah, like you said. But again, you never know where is where when did this trick start or end it, or we don't know where you know where everything started. We also have to remember that Christopher Nolan is the one who made the uh, the Batman trilogy with Heath Ledger. Now see that one. I'm not not saying it's not a great film uh, those are good films but those are just straight up you know action pretty, pretty clear cut yeah, there, yeah there's no psychological twist or science to them there Dude, are, are you some kidding me this Dude, the way cost. he morphed Heath Ledger holy shit he Christopher Nolan might as well hand out the gun to him are you kidding me well maybe like even even with uh think about it but did he yes Heath Ledger was great at breaking down the character but Christopher Nolan was the one who made him Christopher Nolan was the one who told him, "I was like, look, bro, you gotta get in deep. I need you to tap down into the innermost part of your of your subconscious and be able to bring up a psychopath." Christopher Nolan might as well been the one to blame for his depression, for his anxiety. I'm one of the very few people, if not the only one, I've heard that say that will say, "I didn't think that Heath Ledger's Joker was all that psycho. Maybe the maybe the dialogue that he had written for him. Yeah, it's it's a great dialogue as far as the realism behind." what he's saying on certain certain things certain scenes but as far as his acting i don't i didn't see a psycho i just seen a i don't know anarchist and an anarchist yes exactly i didn't see a psycho i'm like whoa this guy's and a smart one too if it was playing like a maybe someone like uh charles manson you know with that uh i don't even know if i'll call it philosophy well technically the joker is supposed to be that person yeah if you look at the comics Charles Manson, then I'd be like, yo, that's that's on well, that's think about the new Joker with uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Mm-hmm. He was just a disturbed young bird. I feel bad for him. But here's the thing: the Joker is supposed to be fucking deadly, man. The Joker is supposed to go through like the worst shit that anyone in the world has ever gone through. That's why we're all waiting for Joker too. Exactly. But if you really look into the character and where Heath Ledger had to go to the depths that he had to go to get into the Joker character, he had to break down absolutely everything to how he became a psychopath to how he became a, a murderer he had to like break down everything and to be able to put himself in the, in, the, in those shoes although i didn't find it very psycho like i will say this you know there's certain uh performances that you watch uh and you you can't even see the actor there i mean you can see him but you can't imagine them at, like if you put joker his character and then Heath ledger side to side and you have them both talking you wouldn't even be you know you can't uh, compare them all right let me Food for thought here, and bear with me on this one. How do you think Christopher Nolan felt after Heath Ledger died? Uh, he that he could that he couldn't even finish his own movie. He he. If you think about it, the main person responsible for Heath Ledger's psychological uh, breakdown it was Christopher Nolan because he's the one that pushed him into that character. And not only was Heath Ledger the one who brought that character to life, it was Christopher Nolan. He's the one who psychologically got him there. But who's to say that he, wait, what did he die from? Drugs? It was depression and anxiety. Depression. You don't just die from depression and anxiety. No, no, no like overdose, uh, overdose and depression pills. Okay, so who's to say that that's because he had to do a certain character? Who's to say that Christopher Nolan doesn't have that power psychologically? Well, maybe I'm sure he does. I'm sure he does. You know, uh, uh, I'm not doubting that. I'm saying like, who? How are we? You know, I don't know who else is related. His role. I mean, a lot of people do, but I guess I'm also another one who's saying who's one of the few who's willing to say that. I don't think his death was attached to the role that he had to play. Possibly not. It might be other other circumstances, but if you really think about it. Just bear with me on this one. I'm, it's a possibility for sure. I'm just saying I don't. That's what I'm trying to say. Like it could be a huge possibility because look at Hannibal Lecter, how he's with his uh, with his mind, and this is just a little bit off topic. With his mind, he's able to destroy people. Why don't we think of Christopher Nolan as the one who created that monster? 
because the directors are the ones in charge of creating those characters and driving the story. And this, yeah, and that's a possibility. But as I said before, I didn't, I don't, you know, nothing was that effective to me where I'm like, whoa, that's scary from Heath Ledger. It was just th- more like he's making good points, you know. Yeah, because I would think more Jared Leto's character would be would be the one that. You well, know, that's just psychotic, out. dude. That's just being. That's just weird. That's just that's weird. Just fucking crazy and weird. Yeah, I'd be more afraid of him though. Like if I was in front of Jared Leto's and he's acting that way, I'd be like, "Yeah, man, get away from me." You're well, that's making me. That was the thing. But he here's was, the thing: I'm not talking about the story of the movie. Like, I don't think you guys are understanding. I'm not talking about the story of the movie. I'm talking about the odyssey to become that character. No, I get that. No, yeah, and you have to go to that length. But I mean, in order to tragic. be able to be a good psychopath, you have to be one in the first place, and then be able to control it. But that's what I mean. I didn't see a psychopath with he- with Heath Ledger's Joker. Well, if you ever look at the interviews that he had with other actors, I think Aaron Eccles, he was saying like he was on this a, a bed, and he saw Heath Ledger get uh, get into character, and he's like, wow, Roger, and you know, he's getting all like these noises and stuff, and then finally they was able to make this this beautiful scene but it was like he had to and we and you we've been on sets before with uh brandon when he had to get to a certain role he had to become like that energy or mine see i think so, it's a, unless like you've seen some i haven't seen anything like that in person so i think unless you've seen that you can't truly understand the magnitude of what somebody has to do to get to that stage yeah oh, bro and, and that's what i'm trying to tell you is like you may you may see it from a standpoint of view where where you know, you see it like as an average person. You're trying to r- relate Heath Ledger just like a regular human being with regular problems. Mm-hmm. But those problems amplify when you're in character. You have to amplify them and step up and be able to create more problems, to create more traumas in your mind mm-hmm. from that character. So it's not only yours, it's also the traumas from the character that you're bringing in. You know, the capabilities of be able to kill someone, to be able to torture one. You have to really picture it in your head and live it. In order to be able to to comprehend how far that character would go, to be able to become it. No, that makes perfect sense. I seen this uh, clip of uh, what's his name, Nicholson in The Shining. Yeah, I'm sure you've seen it yeah. too, where he's hyping himself up. He has a freaking axe and he's uh, yelling around in the room. And the chick, I forget her name, who's you know in the scene with him, looks terrified. So oh, yeah, like uh, she was terrified for another oh, reason. And mm-hmm. here's the thing, man. There's there's a lot of people who lose themselves. They really start in, in taking medicine, antidepressants. Mm-hmm. It, it's a serious thing for actors to the point where I actually have a friend who, uh, she's an actress, or she used to be an actress, and she used to tell me, it's like, Fernando, there, if there's one thing I could do for actors is write a book on how to get themselves out of that character. And I told her, that would be an amazing idea. Yeah. Because actors go through so many lengths, man. And like I told you, not it's not only your problems that you have in your real life, but you're also adding on an, a different life to your life. Mm-hmm. A, a whole 40 years of traumas, you're cramming them into your own mind as a character. Imagine Heath Ledger. Yeah, let's say that he had already his problems, but he's also adding on 40 or 50 years of another character completely to his own mind. See, that's just something like kind of beautiful in the anatomy of a character breakdown. You know, you know, like that's a perfect example. I didn't understand what you were trying to, under, you know, trying to get across until you explained it in the way you explained it. Mm-hmm. And I can feel what they're feeling almost. Exactly, and you can't just switch like that into the character. You have to like, if you're like a sane person, you have to hype yourself up to get to that point, mm-hmm. or like, you know, warm up per se. To be able to get to that character. Is that why like a lot of people stay in character throughout the whole film? Exactly. Exactly. And that's where uh fuck, what's his name? Because uh, even like Danny DeVito when he no, was the Daniel Day Lewis. Oh yeah, him. Mm. Daniel Day Lewis. That guy stays in character throughout the entire production. From the moment that he gets casted into the character, he starts building his character. Okay? And he in my opinion, he's the best actor in the world because Oh my God! If you saw Lincoln, his per- I I don't like I hated the movie. I didn't like it at all. You don't like Lincoln? But the only reason I watched it and I rewatched it and I rewatched it again was by his performance. Yeah, it just seems fluid. Like it's, it's not even an act. So fluid. I mean, he got even the um the way he speaks because in not a lot of people know that Lincoln was a Southerner, and he did have that little twang talk, and then you know so he, you know. But you also have to keep in mind that these actors they have to pick all that apart 
Where does his uh, mannerisms come from? Where do uh, his actions come from? Uh, it, where do these traumas come from? They have to like really pick apart, and that's why when you have to like go off character to be able to go home, it's difficult to come back to it. It's really, really difficult to come back to that character because you, it, a person is so complex that you lose the side that you lose the character and you have to start over again in order to become the person and this is why I love Daniel Day-Lewis the, the reason you you don't leave character is because you if you want to be a, that person you have to live that person breathe that person and, and and think like that person the whole time if you give yourself breaks of you know, uh, you know, say you're done for the day, go back and to be like me, good old Fernando, when I was the Joker. Uh, it will take me time to go back into character. It would take me like one or two or maybe three hours to hype myself up to become that sociopath or that psychopath. And the reason people stay, they call it method acting, is because they sit in character throughout the whole movie so they can give like a flawless performance. Mm. That, that's something good for the listeners to take away. You know, if you don't, if you, you know, we're, I'm sure a lot of people agree with me. Oh, Heath Ledger's not, you know, it's controversial, but I'm sure people, a lot of people agree with me saying Heath Ledger's not the best Joker. But if you don't understand it in a way, a certain way, like Fernando's explaining right now, maybe kind of put yourself in those shoes, you know, like imagine all the problems you have at the moment and then times stacking two. that on times three, times four, you know, mm -hmm. depending on the character and, you know, trying to under, trying to live with those problems and more. Plus, you know, you know, and push yourself to go to like different lengths. Mm. Like, you know, and, and you said yes. You know, maybe the antidepressants maybe wasn't the Joker who killed Heath Ledger, but try adding all, all the traumas that the Joker had. Try adding all, adding add, add them to yourself. Well, and I would think in something a character like that, you would add what you already have into that to make it real. Mm -hmm. Well, because yeah. remember, Joker. No, but a even more, mm -hmm. even more, because being the Joker is not just being an average person. Like that's an extremely smart person making people do things like charles manson he is he twisted them and he made them do whatever the hell he wanted throughout the entire movie like how smart do you have to be to outsmart the bad the bad smart guys mm -hmm. they call those shot callers in prison <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, yeah that's See, so he has a yeah, christopher nolan like he really pushes his actors mm -hmm. into great lengths one thing I will also say about his movies is his practical effects are like top notch and still not what a lot of people still do. I, kn I know Tom Cruise still does it, but I went back to watch uh, Dark Knight Rising and that plane scene again where, you know, the beginning scene where it has, has Bane and you have a, a, another plane on top of him and then a plane on top and a plane on bottom and they... It rips the wings. Rips the wings up and then oh. you go on and explode everything. If that was seeing such that an IMAX. Scene. Oh yeah, and that's the other thing. He's the only. F he's one of the few directors that is still uh, doing things in films. I mean, mm -hmm. we talk about the uh, Oppenheimer, seventy mil. Uh, according to certain sources, there's no CGI in that film. In which one? Oppenheimer. In Oppenheimer. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, everything is real. In well, that movie. The explosions have to be. Have to be what? Has to be CGI. You can't get that. Well, Unless I'm you're using old footage. It has to be remastered old footage. Yeah. That's interesting. Because you get that. He, he, you know, it's an actual atom bomb. See, this is interesting because this is the one. Okay, you got the story <laughs> has. This is not going to be a story that is going to have a lot of action seen. in it. There's not going to be a lot of. There's going to be a lot of character building. There is going to be like this ticking time bomb for when the Germans would have theirs. So I wonder how is this. How, how is he going to keep this in such an intense. You know, I think story. he's gonna dive deep into the scientific aspects of it, which is he's kind of on the on the forefront of, of that whole. You know, there's not. I mean, I can't think of too many off my head that are really like delve deep into science, accurate science behind things, like uh, Ridley Scott's uh, The Martian. Yeah. Well, yeah. he even did that with Interstellar. You know, he had mm -hmm. to like he had to go visit scientists for like years in order to be able to write the script. And who else can we say that, that I can't think of? goes in depth with science like that into film uh, kind of making it like a no that's him well yeah but i'm saying there's there's not too many that well they tried to do that in the avengers but it was oh all goodness. gibberish yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course it's the avengers <laughs> no i mean even his concept of time with tenet makes sense in a way because you can never 
I mean, I don't like. I don't know. It's the best explanation of time traveling because you can never go well, back. And if you had an interstellar, man, they talked about the fifth dimension. Yeah, that was I. Dude, and he actually went and talked to professionals and ti- scientists in the field to be able to write that story. Well, the black hole thing that was. Yeah, in the fifth dimension and, and you know, being uh, in a different time and a different vibration. Like, he went deep, bro. See, there's a there's something I was explaining to him about Interstellar. There's a, um, I mean, I don't know what you got from Interstellar, but there's a documentary. I forget what it's called. But it's basically, the short gist of it is that there are interdimensional beings that we can connect with through things like meditation and, you know, that's the only one, I guess, or like Reiki healing or something like that. But in that movie, they are referring to them as them, interdimensional beings. Um, Fifth dimensional. Fifth dimensional, yeah. Or, I mean, they can go through any, any dimension, but, yeah, we visited the fifth dimension. And I thought that was a really interesting concept that you were kind of unaware of. It was oh, like, like there was another person? Not a person, I guess just... It's it's hard Greater to ex- it's so hard to explain. Okay, like, I'll just be it honest. Is. Interstellar is the one movie I could not make it to the end of of Nolan's. That's the only movie, and and I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. I just I I I get to the point where they're in in the um in space, and then I fall asleep. <laughs> like I try I try so hard. Here's watching. the thing with that movie is like I cannot watch it more than like once or twice because it is a very long and very complicated movie. So. It's either you watch it the first time and you watch it right, or the second one's gonna be even harder to watch. Yeah, I guess I guess if you're not into certain things like that, like I'm very interested in interdimensional beings. If we can uh, uh, coexist with them or even communicate with them, so when they were mentioning that, I'm I'm like, okay, I, I'm already hooked by that concept alone. Mm-hmm. Let me see how they implement these interdimensional beings into this film, and it's basically like God in a sense, you know, because there's certain uh, moments in the scene where like, okay, uh, we have to go here. Oh, there's something in the way. Now this little black hole comes and saves us or someone's looking out for us. You know, little things like that where these coincidences that we experience out here in the real world, some people see them as coincidences. I see them as signs. Yeah. So little things like that. But I think if you're not interested in stuff like that, it could be very boring. Well, I mean, oh, That goes a lot with his uh, other films, you know. Other films. I think if I would have watched it five years earlier, like five years ago, I would have been fine. I think just, okay, tell me if I'm wrong on this. The way things are now that we, our brains is trying to like hooked up to so many different things. So to be, to have, like I always say I have short attention span in some ways mm-hmm. because I can watch a movie, be on my phone, look at my stuff on my computer, doing another project there and be like, okay, I know what's going on. Right? You know, I can get the gist <laughs> of what's going on. I don't need to know everything. That's why like extraction too it's a, it's a good movie to haunt because you just can watch in the background and be like hey that's uh about having well, see, something like that <laughs> i would imagine doesn't take as much as much as attention uh, to detail like with nolan's films or in a lot of other directors but since we're talking about nolan i have to, if i miss a little part maybe a minute of dialogue i'm gonna rewind that so i can under i need to hear every piece of dialogue because it all matters because that shit comes back to you at the end exactly yes like like in prestige if you would go back and you can actually see bits and you can see a bits and pieces of what the mystery was and you know and later on you're like oh shit where did they say that and then they rebound and he doesn't like you know how back in like old sherlock times where they'll say hey you just missed this clue it was right there on the corner they don't do that shit it's part of like the actual story that you just would miss if you didn't pay attention Mm-hmm. And I, I prefer that over something like M. Night Shyamalan explaining something to oh. me clearly. It's like, I feel robbed <laughs> of the experience, I guess, if that makes sense. No, yeah, because M. Night, he needs to stop. At some point in the movie, someone should just say, cut, done, we're, we're moving on. You don't have to explain it. Like mm-hmm. for me, I always tell people, for old, if those two guys, two kids would have died on the beach, I would been, I wouldn't, I'll be happy with it. I don't need to know why that beach is haunted. I don't know why. I don't need to know that there's an, a petri dish thing. Just that was a good story. End it. Don't tell us what happened. Um, that was a misplaced. Yeah, there's some movies that just need to be open ended. Yes, like even the late last one, uh, Knock on the Cabin. Mm-hmm. I finally saw that shit. That's that was hard to watch too. As in, is as in, it's bad. No, no, no. I, whenever I say it's hard to watch, it means that it's it's disturbing. Because especially how Baptista dies, I'm like, oh man, I kind of like you. And then how the the gay. I mean, you know, I don't even care with the, about the gay couple. No, I didn't care that they're gay. No, but the yeah, fact I, that they I, had I to choose, and then the fact that you know now you have. Not, uh, my, cause here's one thing I don't understand, and 
what happens the next day of, after that movie? Salvation? No, like, okay, they go back into their lives and be like, hey, so what happened to Tom, whatever? And you're like, oh, well, you know, him and a whole bunch of people died in the in the cabin, and I just took this guy's... Well, everybody, um, the, it, it was a worldwide event. It was the end of the world. No, I know. So everybody knows. I mean, I don't know if they're going to believe him that they are the saviors, but... But how do you move on to that shit? That's the one thing. That's even Perseverance. Hap- <laughs> even happening was like, okay, well, trees almost killed you. It's going to happen again. Yeah, perseverance. But yeah, okay. Yeah, but okay, so before we go, because I think it's getting kind of late, what do you think Oppenheimer is going like, to... Do you think this is going to be an, another flop? Is this going to be a misunderstood uh, story? Is this going to be something where... Because for me, Christopher Nolan's movies is always an event. Well, as I mentioned, I think if you're not interested in certain themes, certain activities, what, what have you, then it's not going to grasp you. Me personally, I'm definitely interested in seeing how they make a bu- the atom bomb, how they made the atom bomb, you know, how, what intellect went into it. So Especially if they, uh, they're not using any CGI. I'm very I'm interested sure. to see how it's going to look. I, I, I'm, this is going to be a, a huge hit, I'm, I'm sure of it. I what wouldn't say a huge hit, but a lot of people who are interested in to see how the, the atom bomb was created, they're definitely going to watch it. I think this is going to be a flop. I think really? uh, the Nolan boys, the Nolan fans, all of us, we're going to go to it, watch it again, but you can, you would not get someone who just will have, you know, because, okay, one again, uh, we've said before. He has a huge movies, Yeah, but movies are so expensive these days that to go to it, you really, really have to want to watch it. Mm-hmm. And... We, you know, he he says, "Hey, this is gonna be an IMAX film." I'm like, oh, "I'm gonna, wa- I'm gonna watch on IMAX. I'm gonna put that extra money in his hand." <laughs> I'm really excited just to watch Killian Murphy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, they have they have great actors in there. Mm-hmm. I know this Emily Blunt. They have uh, Robert Downey. They have Matt Damon. The cast is unbelievable. But is it gonna be enough to bring people casuals? Because it's so. it is casuals who are gonna go this, or are they gonna watch Mission Impossible instead? Mm. Definitely gonna watch Mission Impossible more. I don't think because it's be more entertaining. Right, we all we're all in this busy life of having like it takes a hundred dollars to go to a movie theater nowadays. For the family, at least. Yeah, for the family, you're not gonna take your kids. You can take your kids to watch Mission Impossible. So I mean, well, from a few reviews that I've watched, it's it's entirely engaging rather than you know you got some of those part uh, those films that are three hours long and they kind of drag or they can remove an hour, half hour, whatever. Right, but I've seen two reviews so far who who have agreed that it's engaging the entire time. It doesn't even feel like a three hour runtime. It it, yes, I yeah, I'm ho- I'm hoping, because again, I Christopher Nolan. I think Tenet was the one movie where I'm just like, okay, when is this gonna end? Because I don't understand how, how it's gonna that's end. I, that's one of my favorite films. Of no, 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 no. I I don't no. I'm don't take it this the wrong way. Because even I said that about um, Mission Impossible, the la- the Fallout. So many shit happened. I'm like, I, I looked at the screen like, how are they going to end this movie? Like, where is this? How is this? How, is there ever going to be a resolve? Because there's so much shit happening. Like, where is this going to go? I mean, of course, I know Oppenheimer is going to, you know, it's going to end with Hiroshima. Mm-hmm. Or maybe after saying the aftermath or the morality of them Ooh, building a bomb. I didn't even think about that. Like, it might go towards war as well. I mean. Yeah, because there was only two item bombs that were built. Right. So yeah, I'm, I, there might be like some war aspects of that of the movie. Well, because there's a timing. There's the like I said, Hiroshima and um, what's the other place? Nagasaki. Uh, Nagasaki. I mean, if you ever seen Graveyards of the Firefly, that's a um, an old uh, Studio Ghibli that shows the aftermath of these kids who were like sick to their stomach because of the nuclear and all that. You know, the so yeah the radiation was bad, really bad and then and the town didn't have any money there was just all hope so they were just you know everything oh, happened dude, i didn't think about that 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 so could, the morality oh of like because i think truman was the president in that one so is he gonna have to make that hardest with the hard decision of making that bomb was it i thought it was roosevelt uh roosevelt was in the first one then truman was because uh, you know the movie the, the war lasted i think that's true well, I'm gonna give him. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna go give it a watch on IMAX. I I will too. I I like I said. We'll probably, we'll sure. dude, we're, we're probably all gonna go and watch it together. You know, I'm best so down. friends forever. Here is bomb. Yeah, you get your power. Oh, I do. You know what? Okay, see <laughs> <laughs> the That'd viewers. We, we I've always I got the Flash. I got the Rocket. I think oh, I wanted to get the Fast X one. You got the and Mario. And I wanted. To, no, I didn't get the Mario one. Oh, you didn't? No, they were they were sold out. But I wanted to get the D. I got the D and D one too. So if there was a if there's an atom bomb one, 
as wrong as it is, it'll probably might just be him, his picture, so Killian Murphy's. But oh. yeah, no, uh, FDR was the president. Of the second one, Franklin Roosevelt. Of the uh, of during during Pearl Harbor. Yeah, during Pearl Harbor, but when when it ended in 1954, it was a different president. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I know that I know that very little. You know, you know, the only reason why I kind of know this. And maybe this might he might not be the president, but I remember the there's a clip of Robert Downey. He's like, Truman wants to know what's gonna happen. Something. Yeah, it is Truman. Yeah, I've seen this clip of uh, it was showing the trailer in theaters, and uh, the part where Einstein comes, you know, shows him a quick cameo, and was his hat falls off, and people are like, "Whoa!" Like he's a, like an MCU cameo character. That's what I want to know. What the fuck is I was Einstein even still alive? I'm gonna be honest, I'm not too uh, well educated on this whole on the whole. Uh, story as a whole, you know. You know the reason why. Okay, the biggest reason why I totally got invested with uh, World War Two stuff is because in Hawaii, like Japanese Japanese history is huge, and the Pearl Harbor thing. You know, we still have. I think the o- Oklahoma is still sinking to. I forgot which which building, but you can go to Pearl, uh, Pearl Harbor and you can actually see one of the uh, ships that is you know got blew up there. Mm-hmm. And I remember hearing stories. Of like people who lived back then saying that they saw the ships and you can see the smoke and all that stuff and like that shit's for surreal. Yeah, yeah. You well, know? yeah. Einstein was alive. He died in 1955. Sheesh. So we might be able to see him in Oppenheimer. Oh yeah. Selim Kelly Murphy would be like, "Hey, how do you do this?" I'm like, "Well, what you have to do is you have to put the two bumps together." It's <laughs> probably the worst German accent, but <laughs> hey, he was German, huh? Einstein. Yeah. God damn, D- damn Nazis got everybody. So yeah, <laughs> you know what? You know what? Wasn't he? He had to have been Jewish too. Well, yeah. I don't know. I don't, know. I don't know about. Have that. you seen his hair? Yeah, and his n- no. Okay. <laughs> Were you gonna say his nose? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna say that. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna uh, say. It. But no. But seriously, no. Really, hey, you wonder, like, did they just? How did that happen? No, actually, no. I know. I take it back. I know why. Because they, America did take bring some of the scientists there to kind of like counter the intelligence on there. I do remember hearing that. Yep, they did. So, yeah, so a little bit of history knowledge with uh, movie talks. Yeah. So, yeah, this would be the end. I guess I don't know if you have anything more to talk about Nolan's movies. You I know. think we pretty much covered a lot. Yeah. Everything. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did want to talk a little bit more on uh, what was the other one he did? Uh, I don't know. I think Batman Begins is probably his his least favorite ones, but who, who cares? Insomnia. Oh, okay. Wait, before we, that's actually a genius movie. It's a good film. It's just not as psychologically bending as others. Well, other it was a remake of an old Swedish film. I found out. But the one thing I'm so impressed of that is they got two actors in there, uh, Rob, uh, Rob, no, Al Pacino and Robin Williams, and Robin Williams played as the killer. And this is before when Robin Williams was the nicest person. I mean, he's still the nicest person, but he only played that character. So I remember this, that when he played that character, I was so mad because I was like, this is not my Robin Williams. You know, you like. He you plays a good bad guy. Right. I mean, when he's ever watched one hour photo, mm-hmm. he's so like, oh, awful. But when we were watching it when I was younger, I was like, man, I hate this guy. So, yeah, I mm-hmm. another fan. We'll talk about that next time. But um, let's say for now, do you do you have any uh, th- uh t- anything to talk about? You know, sm- your uh, spotcasts or anything. Well, this studio is going uh, undergoing maintenance, as you can see, uh, fellas, yeah. <laughs> not yeah. listeners, fellas here. In the near future. Yeah, so spotcast coming soon. We're gonna have actually a grand opening. Oh, right. Yeah, so we're gonna have like a party and everything. So it should be very fun soon. If you hear us, you know, send us a message. Maybe if you live in Vegas, we'll you know you can yeah, show us shoot us a message. And uh, just where check can they find you? Check us out on myspotcast.com. Yeah, and don't forget to uh, look for us on uh, YouTube. It's on Movie Talks LV. Also, uh, we are also on Apple T, um, Apple Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and iHeartRadio. And iHeartRadio. Yeah, see, I, I'm I remember after like 16 of these things, I can. <laughs> it's a mouthful for sure. Oh, that's a, that's a lot of information. Uh, but as always, thank you for joining us, and see you next time. As always, this is Daniel. This is Ernest. And this is Fernando. See you guys. Good night. Good night.